This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. At first I was like, that's gross, but then I was like, I could see it working. Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacy Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacy's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watch season six, episode one of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, new and improved Lorelei. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, bargaining, part one. We're back. We're in it. Season six, baby. We are back after our break, which is like a little bit of a lie because we're actually recording this before our break. Yeah, we haven't taken our break yet, but we've announced our break. You guys know about it. We just haven't actually gone yet. Yeah. I mean, we're going to do our break after this and then this will come out. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you think our break was, Brian? Oh, probably such a great break. Oh, man. That thing that happened at that wedding. That was so. Oh, my God, dude. Wow. Deaths. That thing your mom said when we visited, oh boy. I don't know that I'll forgive her. It was was juicy. Yeah. Next week we'll tell you guys what actually happened. (laughs) Also, they they know us so much better now because we've answered all their Q&A questions. Yeah, so much has happened, but hasn't yet. (laughs) So far, season six, decent. A lot of questions. Yeah, Buffy's like right in the middle of some shit. Yeah, Buffy should have been a one episode deal. It's sad that we had to split it. Well, since time is confusing, we could plug our wine product. (laughs) Don't call it a wine product. Yeah, that's confusing because wine product is a trick we've fallen for. Yeah, if you go to a store and you're like, oh, they have wine. Look, does it say wine product on it? Is everything else at the store a grocery item? It's probably wine product. Do not buy that. It's the same stuff, actually, that was probably in this episode of Gilmore Girls. Yeah, actually. That's funny. It's like technically got alcohol in it, but it's not wine. It's grape juice. Yeah, and it doesn't get you drunk, and it's just juice. Yeah. But we haven't talked about Wink.com in a while. We had an ad for their special rosé program, but Wink.com, guys, if you don't remember, we have a partnership with them, and we really love it, honestly. I think it's elevated our wine consumption mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. quantity, but also just in, like, quality. Because we used to be, like, not the cheapest stuff at the liquor store, people, but, but like pretty low. Yeah. We didn't have very high standards. But now that we've been getting wink, I feel like when we do get that cheap stuff, it's like, eh, it's not as good. We're fancy now. Yeah. Like, is this, is this like a fruit drink I'm drinking right now? Is this wine product? This isn't wink.com. <laughs> Can't recommend wink.com enough. It's got some great wines. Yeah, we we found some that we really love, and I if you're stuck in a wine rut like we were, it's it's great. You take a little quiz about the food and drink you like, and it tells you what kind of wines you'll like based on that. And you can still mix and match if something sounds good to you that they didn't recommend. You can pick that. You get wine shipped to you every month. You can skip a month. You can cancel it at any time. It's not like a monthly fee. You just pay for the wines that you order, and through our partnership with them, you can get your first four bottles for $29.95 plus free shipping. So what is that, like 7 or $8 a bottle? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not doing the math, but yeah, it's early. It is early. It's it's 11.15. We just woke up. I work the night shift, guys. <laughs> so even if you just want four bottles of wine, you can sign up and then cancel it. But I think you'll like it and we'll continue to get more. But even if you don't, get those four bottles. That's a good deal. That's cheap liquor store price for yeah. good wine. Yeah. 
Anyway, if you're interested, click the link in our episode description or social media bio to get started and be sure to use promo code Gilmore Slayer at checkout so they know who sent you. Well, let's get into tonight's episodes. Tonight? <laughs> We're going to be watching some episodes tonight. We haven't watched these yet, but we have an idea of what happens. Time's still a mystery over here at the Cool House. Brian took yeah. my name. <laughs> I thought this was the Gilmore House, uh, so I took the wrong name. I have some paperwork to do. Okay. I'll have you know, I filled out all my insurance stuff, and you are my beneficiary. If I die, you're actually entitled to some money. Wow. Like your work compensation? Or yeah, like I, your... I have life insurance now. What? Yeah. So do I, but I don't think what? you're involved in that. Wait, what? I've had it since I was a kid. Wait, who's, how am I not involved in your life insurance? Who's getting that money if you die? Um, Your parents? That's weird. I need to read the paperwork. I don't That's know. That's scary. Your parents are like, well, if our daughter dies, we'll be set for life. I, I don't know the, how it works. I, I need to look into it. I'm not saying like, oh my God, I want that money. I'm just saying like, if it's not me, who gets that money? The cat. I guess, sure, her, but, like, you don't have kids? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know you, like, pay into it. It probably is, like, set up to be transferred to whoever. It might, I think it's supposed to just cover my funeral. No. But we are just throwing me in a hole, aren't we? That was my plan. <laughs> <laughs> my plan was to kill you and throw you in a hole and then reap the rewards from your insurance. But I guess my plan wow. is ruined now. If I ever die, you're screwed. <laughs> I know. This is straight up on the podcast. Brian, we've been looking throughout the neighborhood for holes. <laughs> you uh, went on record saying exactly what you were going to do to your wife, girlfriend. We don't know. And I'll be like, ha, 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 I said wife. I don't have a <laughs> wife. And they'll be like, oh, you got us again. And I'll be like, again? Anyway, that we was. We need to get into it. Yeah, we need to get into it. The hole. <laughs> Can you point us to it? We need to check. We need to check, right? All right, here we go. We got to talk about episodes. All right, all right. This week, we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about new and improved Lorelai. So this episode is essentially just about the fallout of the season finale. It's about what happens to Rory after her yacht-stealing incident and deciding to move into her grandparents' home and also how Lorelai's dealing with that and also how Luke answers Lorelai's question. Mm-hmm. So if you guys remember, last season ended with a sad Lorelai plopping herself down at Luke's and asking him if she'll marry her. And then he's all like, what? End of season. So this episode opens up right where the last one left off. Luke says, what? And then immediately says, yes. He has no reservations about it. He is all in. She's like, are you sure? He's like, yep, uh-huh, 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 yep, mm-hmm. It was cute. Yeah. I mean, I said this in the last podcast. Like, there's no way he's going to say no. Are you kidding? It would make no sense. He's, like, super in love with her. Even the elders know it. <laughs> you mean, like, Babette and Patty? Oh, you, know, you mean the elders. Yeah. yeah, I meant the elders. And also Eastside Tilly. Yeah. Lorelai then is like, well, what should we do next? And Luke's like, I don't know. This is uh, new for me. But it, like, isn't new for you, Luke? You've been married. Yeah. You had a wife. Yeah. I know that you spent about 10 minutes with her total, but you had a wife. I imagine there was a brief proposal. On the boat or wherever they were. Well, that's probably the thing. He's like, I don't know what to do. Normally, after I get married, I go to the shuffleboard section of the ship. Where the divorces are performed. <laughs> Lorelai wants to find something to toast with to commemorate the moment. I want to point out something here that I thought was nice. Lorelai says to Luke, like, I know you don't have any champagne, but there's got to be something here. Which was nice that she and Amy Sherman Palladino remember that Luke doesn't like champagne. Because they kind of made a big deal about that. And it shows her growth a little bit into remembering stuff about Luke and, like, listening to Luke. 
because that was like an issue. Then they go looking for champagne. Well, not in his store. That's true. But also, she just wants something bubbly. And I feel like she knows he doesn't like champagne, but like he would probably toast to this. But it's clear she does not give a shit what he wants to drink, <laughs> really. Yeah. Because uh, they go over to Dosi's to see if there's something there that they can have, even though it's closed. Meanwhile, Taylor, by the way, is throwing a, a hilarious fit because the bike race isn't over yet. It's way past when he thought it would be over and like he's going to have to return things late and it's going to cost him extra money. So he is pissed. So instead of doing like an award ceremony, he just like throws the trophies at the cyclists that he thinks won first through third place. Yeah. One guy's like, I didn't win third. And he's like, I don't give a rat's ass. Uh, (laughs) Super funny. Taylor hears about the engagement and the only real booze he has left after the race, all the cyclists bought all his stuff. They do find some wine product on the shelf which is funny because we mentioned that. And he's all like, yeah, it's cheap and like it'll give you a buzz kind of. But he gives him the real alcohol he's got, which is some like warm Zima from the back room that he's been using as like a stepping stool. Luke is upset about the Zima. He's like, men aren't supposed to drink Zima. And I'm just like, whatever, man. Like, We got to remind us that Luke is manly. Yeah, it's just like, listen, dude, when your beautiful, sexy, hot-ass fiancé with her boobs practically popping out of her dress asks you to drink some Zim, you do it. Still manly, man. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. I'm just saying. She's dressed super sexy. She's your fiancé. She's like, drink some Zim. I was like, oh, but what if somebody sees? You know, <laughs> come on. Well, it's okay. The lights are about to go out. That's true. I just, it's like, how insecure does Luke have to be that he's like, oh, a chick beer. I can't drink that. Like, I love Luke, but sometimes he toxic. <laughs> what sound was that? <laughs> I was yawning and I teed. Kurt's being so precious right now. They go out to the gazebo to toast, but right before they're able to, Taylor cuts all the power to the town center. And I mean, like, all the power. Like, it goes pitch black. Like, did he... Turn off the moon and stars as well. I know. Like, maybe he would somehow have switched off all the lights in the apartments and businesses, which also seems unlikely. But it's like pitch black. Yeah. Even if he did switch off every light in town, there'd still be some light. Yeah. But they make him turn it back on for a couple seconds so that they can kiss. It's nice. And then we get a new Gilmore Girls intro with Logan. Yeah. And Richard's mustache. Yeah. (laughs) Special guest appearance. By Richard's mustache. <laughs> they only added like a couple transition pieces. Uh, Richard's thing was different. Maybe one other person had a different picture. I think it's funny that like there was a big plot point that Emily like hated his mustache. But now he just has it. Yeah. I mean, you could have argued that that was her just being petty. And like, obviously, he's allowed to groom himself any way he wants. But it's just like funny. She's like, I hate it. I hate it. It's like, no, it's here to stay. It's in the credits. It's going to be around. So Lorelai and Luke have sex off screen. And then the two are lying together in bed. Well, first off, we got to talk about uh, Luke's weird new hair. Yeah, something's different. Either he got some, like, plugs or just, like, grew it out and combed it forward or, like, Willow did a spell or something. Like, his hair is suddenly much more there. And it's, like, very locky in the front. He's got, like, two big locks hanging down in the front. Maybe Willow straightened it because they got hair straighteners over on Buffy this season. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. It's just weird. It just seems like the actor was like, I want to have more hair this season. Yeah. If I, we're getting married, I want I want hair. I seem to be a main character now. I mean, he has been. <laughs> yeah. Luke just realized he's a main character. She committed. I want hair. Yeah, I want hair. So they're like, all right, we'll do something here. Kurt, you're being, he's just, he's like all tangled up in the curtain strings, but he's being so cute. 
It's going to fall off the window. While Lorelai's falling asleep, new hair Luke tells her that he bought her a house and then got rid of the house, but he could probably get it back, you know, so they could have kids or not have kids or just one kid or just furniture, you know, whatever she wants, no pressure. She hears all this like sleepily and is giving a bunch of like monosyllabic responses. But then finally she like gets up and calls him out on the fact that he was doing all this like house buying, family building behind her back. But then when she goes back to bed, she kind of says that, yeah, kids sound good. It's nice. They can have kids. Uh, yeah. Kurt, just no. Can you just be like calm? He's like rubbing on my computer now. The next day, Luke is in a glorious mood, being friendly and nice to his customers. You never see that. You never see that. He's just, like, giving away free stuff. Yeah. Miss Patty and Babette come in, excitedly congratulating him on finally proposing to Lorelai until um, he mentions that she actually did the proposing. And then their faces, like, drop, and they act like he's been humiliated or, like, he's going to die or something. Yeah. So bummed. So judgy. Yes, so judgy. It reminded me of, like... You telling your mom you weren't going to come home for Christmas or something. And she's just like, oh, that's okay. Like, <laughs> clearly disappointed. Yeah. But like pretending it's fine, but you could just see on their face they're not fine. It's not fine. That's okay. By the way, they got all this information from their new rival gossiper, Eastside Tilly. This is like a running bit through the episode. And I hope we get to meet Eastside Tilly. It was very funny. Kurt, get out of here. <laughs> What is he doing? He's just like under my cart. He's like putting his head under my laptop. What do you want? Get down. We also get a brief glimpse of the troubadour. There was a bunch of kids like sitting behind him with guitars. Are those his kids? I don't know. They were just sitting there in the gazebo like not playing. Are they Lorelai and Luke's future kids? I don't know. So while things are going well for Lorelai and Luke, it's not exactly the case with uh, Rory. She still has some legal trouble. Richard calls Lorelai to tell her that he's snagged a top lawyer, an old friend of the family for Rory's trial. He seems excited. He wants her to come, you know, meet the lawyer, et cetera, et cetera. But Lorelai is super flippant on the phone. And Richard picks up on this and like is angrily surprised when she says she doesn't plan on coming to meet the lawyer. It seems that Lorelai doesn't want any part of this, which is understandable. Rory, as you might remember, is living in the pool house right now at Emily and Richard's. And Emily is super excited to be redesigning and redecorating the place for her. Well, she says she's doing it for Rory, but it feels like maybe she's doing it a little bit for herself. Rory wakes up to an absurd amount of pastries. Like, honestly, there's like, what, like 30, 40 pastries? I'm like, who is that for? Like, you, the three of you can't eat this. The four of you with the maid could not eat all those pastries. The four of them with the maid couldn't eat that in a week. Maybe so many. in a week. But like... Do we buy this fresh every day? Is this a special thing? For, like, you're going to have maybe two pastries. Yeah. Let's, let's go crazy. If all of them had three pastries, which they won't, there'd still be tons of pastries. Rory pours herself an empty cup of coffee. <laughs> Alexis Bledel, like, tips the supposedly full cup of coffee forward a little bit in a scene, and you can just tell it's just straight up empty. She just pours herself a small glass of cream. <laughs> she puts real cream in it. Yeah, so she's just slamming cream, doing cream shots out of a mug. Yeah, Emily's woken her up at, like, 8.30 and keeps making a big deal out of, like, how you can get so much done before 8.30. And Rory clearly is not usually awake before 8.30. Yeah, uh, it's 11.30 and we don't have much done. <laughs> yeah, this whole scene with Emily is actually super funny and she is super manic. She wakes Rory up and the maid pulls the pillow out from under her head. <laughs> it's, like, some pretty <laughs> funny physical comedy. Alexis just, like, slams her head down and she's all like, oh, and it's, it's well acted. It's pretty funny. 
Emily just starts putting wallpaper up. She holds one up. She's like, well, that's insane. Yeah, she puts one up like very excitedly. Like, what do you think of that? Well, that's insane. And throws it away. (laughs) She also like very quietly, almost silently mouths the panic room code for Rory. She's like, what, 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 what? Don't tell the maids. They'll tell their kids and they'll rob you. It's fun that they brought that back. Yeah. Uh, Importantly, Rory says that she's still got some more personal items at her mom's and Emily tells her not to worry about it. She'll take care of all. Then Richard proudly uses the intercom to tell her that it's time to be with a new lawyer. I feel like this scene is sort of setting up what it's going to be like for Rory now. Like, lots of nice rich people perks, like pastries and coffee and, like, a room decorated however you want it. Tons of organic pastries, blah, 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 made drawing you baths. But also a lot, a lot, a lot of Emily and Richard interfering in your life. Yeah, I can see that. Like, Emily's telling you when you need to get up, what to wear, and Richard's voice can just burst in at any moment. Also, the dude is here. What, she's going to, like, take a bath right now? Yeah, the timing doesn't make any sense. Like, Emily says, like, she's coming right over, and then is like, go take a bath. What? She comes over with dry hair. Did she not wash her hair? I, I don't know. Bath doesn't seem like the way to go when you're in a quick situation. Yeah. And if you're not washing your hair, like, did you smell? Like, why do you need a bath? Also, I feel like a bath takes so much longer than, like, a shower. Yeah. I guess I haven't taken a bath in a long time. Maybe they're faster now. Yeah, they've gotten so much faster, baths. What you need to use is water product. It's just a lot more efficient. (laughs) It doesn't get you very drunk, though. No. We get to meet the lawyer. His name's Charlie. Richard and him are old pals, and they're, like, catching up. And Richard is raving about how good Charlie is and how he's gotten all kinds of, like, super guilty rich men off before. Richard literally says, if you knew the number of truly guilty criminals put back on the streets by this man, (laughs) you'd never believe in the criminal justice system again. Oh, rich white people. (laughs) Yeah. Rory smiles at this, but like maybe we see a hint of like sadness about that comment or like she's unsettled by that. Yeah. I mean, it's like gonna benefit her, but I feel like everything she believes is maybe in question. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also just like, I don't know, why is Richard celebrating this? Like, I know you want to get the best defense for your daughter, but like we're celebrating the fact that she's done bad things. He at some point says, like, oh, I've been talking too much. Rory, like, you must have a million questions. What questions do you have? And she's like, well, I just want to know what's going to happen. And then this dude is all like, that's a good question. Wow. And Richard's like, well, she's a Gilmore. Like, this is so condescending and patronizing. Does What? That was a very basic question that everyone should have asked. It also felt like not patronizing. Like, they were just acting like it was a real smart thing she said. <laughs> Right, or like they want her to think that she's smart. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was like weirdly acted. I was kind of like, what is happening right now? Are we supposed to just think that like Charlie is fake by this comment? Because it wasn't a good question. They also say something about his wife getting a new lower half paid for. What did she have done? Yeah, like lower half is the part that's confusing to me. Like, did she have like the vagina tightening or what? Like what? Butt lifts. Butt lifts. New legs. What What did they do to her? You could put, isn't that usually what men get with like leg plants, implants? I don't know. I suppose anyone can. What can you do to your lower half? I don't remember if it was his wife or someone else's wife. It was a different, it was a guy he had gotten off who was super guilty who then was able to go back and sue for defamation, even though he did the crime, and then he won enough money to get, like, a mansion and, like, a new lower half for his wife. Oh, good for everyone involved. He didn't make enough money to get the top half replaced, but the lower half is now just mermaid. Yeah, her lower half needed some work, and they went mermaid. He always wanted a mermaid, yeah. (laughs) 
Charlie explains that he's just going to schmooze a bit with the prosecution and then they'll work out a plea deal. Maybe she'll get a couple hours of community service. This is going to be no big deal at all. Don't worry about it, Rory. When Rory gets back to the pool house, Emily has moved everything out and has left multiple chairs for her to try, like Goldilocks. They each have signs that are like, sit on me. It, how long has she gone? Like, Emily must have had movers go in there and just like rip everything out. Yeah, maybe the pastries were for the movers. That's true. There you go. That explains it. I have to believe that. Otherwise, it's very sad, the amount of food that was thrown away. Yeah. Paris shows up and just says, you live here? Question mark. She needs to borrow a dress because she's meeting more of Jonathan's um, Doyle's family. <laughs> she asks Rory. She like she makes fun of their height. I want to be like, okay, you know, they can make fun of you too. I- I'm not sensitive because I'm short, okay? It's just a lot of height jokes. Uh, again, I'm not sensitive because I'm short. It's just, you know, it's a lot of height jokes. You did mention you knew about male leg lifts. <laughs> Paris asks Rory if she wants to move in with her and Doyle next semester. But then Rory tells her that, well, she's taking some time off from Yale. And Paris isn't cool with this, like at all. She starts, like, yelling at Rory, and then Logan shows up, and Paris just storms out. It's kind of funny. Logan is like, did you get robbed? Also, Logan's wearing this coat that is, like, for rich people. This coat looks like it came from Goodwill, but on a rich person, I guess it looks fancy. I think it's supposed to look rugged, but I bet it's expensive. No, I agree. It's, like, probably, like, intentionally distressed. Here's an extra $100 tacked on, but I, I didn't like it. Logan takes Rory out for just dinner and a movie and a drink, except it's actually a prisoner-themed party with all of their friends, and they all sing, for she's a jolly good felon, when she comes in, and it's great. It's romantic. Yeah, it's fun, and they're all dressed like prisoners, so they're all having a good time. We get to see some more moments with Logan's friends that are really funny. Like, he's got that one friend who doesn't eat, and she's just like, can you pass me three peanuts? <laughs> that was so fun. funny. Two more, little ones. <laughs> yeah, it's all very funny. Rory talks about how she's going to be so lazy this year. She might even give Logan a run for his money when it comes to laziness. He says he doesn't believe her. He says that she loves school and that kind of love for school doesn't just go away. And he's like, I give it like six months. You're definitely going to go back to school. He said one month. And somebody says, yeah, I'm, I'm giving her more months. He seems down. Yeah. So I was a little confused about this thing because he does seem a little down. But it isn't clear to me if this is like an intentional choice, like to show that Logan is upset about her decision, or if it's just like the scene isn't about him being charming necessarily. So I can't tell if this is an intentional choice or if it's just we're reading too much into it. I kind of read it like he clearly thinks she's making the wrong choice, but like doesn't want to tell her what to do. But he doesn't really argue with her. He's just like, I think you're going to go back, but doesn't say like, but you're making a mistake. Yeah, I think he thinks she's maybe just like being performative and isn't actually going to go through with this. Yeah. Maybe he's like conflicted, like, should I tell her to go back to school? Yeah. Because like he's dropped out a bunch, so he can't really talk. Also, does Rory have a fake ID or do bars not care? They specifically say she's not 21 in this episode. I feel like you can get away with buying beers at certain bars. Yeah. Especially if rich kids show up and they tip really well, you're probably not checking every single person. Yeah. I didn't drink in college. I have no idea what you can get away with. I did, but not very much. Did you drink underage in bars? No, I did not. If I had had my leg lifts, I would have, but... (laughs) You couldn't see over the counter. Yeah, that was a problem. Rory's excited to live the lazy life, for the foreseeable future anyway. She also wants to make a vanilla beer float. I don't know how I feel about that. At first I was like, that's gross, but then I was like, I could see it working. I feel like with the right beer, it could yes. be fine. Yeah, like a Guinness. I yeah, I was like. say, like a dark, rich beer. That might work. 
Let us know if you had this. Yeah. Meanwhile, Luke's Kirk shows up with a bunch of rings. He also heard about the proposal through Eastside Tilly. Do we get to meet Eastside Tilly? Please. I want to meet her so bad. Kirk has these rings, and he says that he got them all from befriending old women before they die, who then give him the rings in their wills. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I don't know if they have the same like uh, life insurance policy as you do, or it's just whoever's nearby benefits from them. <laughs> Luke isn't interested, until he is. <laughs> he suddenly changes his mind, because he sees a ring that he says looks like Lorelai. What? He's like, that ring looks like Lorelai. What does that mean? Like, it looks like something she would like? I think does that's it what it literally means. look like Lorelai? We don't see it. Maybe it does. But I wouldn't want a ring that looked like me. That's <laughs> yeah, so, a weird thing he said. Kirk sympathizes with Luke because he heard about how Lorelai humiliated him by proposing, robbing him of the opportunity to be the romantic one. He keeps giving him shit. Yeah. <laughs> Is she paying for it? Should I talk to her? Yeah. <laughs> Kirk is afraid that Lulu might do the same and spring it on him. So he's been avoiding her and hanging up on her and being mean. He's like, she might be mad, but she's not proposing. <laughs> Luke said something like, well, your creepy friendships with old women might keep her away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. Luke off screen ends up buying one of these. Later, Luke ends up at Lorelai's waiting an hour and a half for her to get ready. Now, I have to say an hour and a half is a crazy long time to wait for someone to get ready. Like a half hour, fine. A, an hour and a half? That's that is a lot. Yeah. We get to see more of his weird new locks in this scene. Honestly, they just, just take my word. They're weird. Okay. For a man who doesn't drink Zima because it's a chick beer, he has no problem having like little front ponytails. <laughs> ponytails. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're just, he's got like bangs now. That's they could be, but. Then an angry Paris shows up to talk about the Rory situation with Lorelai. She has no idea who Luke is. And she says she's never met him, but she has met Luke before. Yeah, she either forgot or the show forgot. I only remember one time, but it seems like there's maybe more. I want to say there's at least two. I know for a fact there's one. But Luke also introduces himself, so he doesn't seem to remember her either. It's the time she comes to Stars Hollow to like find some story to write. And yeah, she decides but- to write about the seedy underbelly of diners. She seems like the kind of person you would remember, too. Yeah. I don't know that they met properly, but, like, they definitely interacted. He's not wearing his diner clothes, and he's got new hair. I get why she doesn't recognize him. Yeah, she probably saw the hair and was like, what is this? But you'd think once that he was introduced as Luke, she would remember that the diner was Luke's. Yeah. He also came to graduation where he would have seen her, so he should know who she is. Yeah. Whatever. Paris is upset because Rory was her only real competition at Yale, and Rory keeps her motivated. She's her Goku to her Vegeta. You predicted this. Yeah. This is, I was like, oh, I bet that Paris will say this, and she did. I forgot about this. She says that Rory is her only friend also, and literally the only person who, like, listens to her when she's speaking. She says, like, she's the only person who's, like, still in the room when I'm done saying a sentence. It's also funny because her and Luke, like, both agree they need to go kidnap her and tie her up till she goes back to school. Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, Paris has some wild suggestions about, like, forcing her to go back to school, and Luke just agrees to all of it. He's like, yep, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yep, uh-huh. Well, that's kind of what he pitched at the end of season five. Yeah. And it's it's funny because our suggestions are crazy and you expect someone to be the voice of reason, but it's not Luke. <laughs> Lorelai sympathizes, though, and she gives Paris her phone number and says, like, if you need someone to talk to, you can call me. And Paris is all like, what? This has never happened before. And she leaves. Luke and Lorelai then argue for a little bit about what they should do with Rory. Lorelai makes it clear that Rory has to be allowed to make her own decisions. Specifically, she needs to be allowed to make her own mistakes. 
I love this scene because it lets us know where Lorelai stands on the Rory situation, but also shows us once again how different she is than Emily. Emily controls her daughter's and granddaughter's life and won't let them make mistakes. She's there to like force them to have the life she wants, where Lorelai will, even though it's painful, let her daughter make her own decisions, even if she doesn't agree with them. And I love that. It's like it's led to drama, but it's just like, no, Lorelai's a much better mother than Emily. But don't you think there's an argument that could be made that Lorelai's kind of being a baby because Rory's not living life the way Lorelai wants her to. So she's just like, fine, I won't deal with it. Absolutely. I I think that Lorelai's decision to just like excommunicate her daughter in this, like not go to her trial, like not try to talk to her or help her with any of her things. You could argue that that's sort of childish. Uh, And I don't know that that's wrong. Because Rory's like going through a crisis and Lorelai's just like, well, I'm ignoring you. I get her being upset with Emily and Richard, but like ignoring Rory seems like a lot. Yeah, I agree. Like not showing up at the court appearance, like it's it's a lot, especially because it's like you guys haven't talked about this thing that's happening. You're angry about stuff you haven't really discussed. Right. She hasn't talked to Rory about moving in with her grandparents. And this is the second time this episode where Lorelai insists she's like, fine. (laughs) Like when they get engaged, Luke's like, are you sure you want to celebrate right now? She's like, yep. I just want to be happy. Yeah. And she insists she's okay with not talking to Rory right now. But I do think it's a, especially rewatching the episode, I think that you're right that maybe Lorelai's being a bit childish, but it's understandable. Yeah, I mean, we're not to this scene yet, but later she says, like, Emily and Richard, you got your redo daughter, which I do think they maybe aren't consciously like, that's what we're doing. Right. But I do think subconsciously that is what they're doing. And Lorelai is right about that. But Lorelai is so upset, and it's it's one thing to be upset with the grandparents, right? Totally understand that. But to be so upset with Rory, it's sort of like, it's not like Rory said a bunch of super hurtful things to you. Yeah. She said you didn't go to college, which may have hurt, maybe. But, like, she wasn't like, you're a bad mom, and you're dumb, and you don't get it. Like, she just said how she felt, and Lorelai got very upset about it. And it was like, she, you need to have another conversation. Yeah. It's not like Rory went to Emily and Richard and was like, my mom's being a bitch. Help me make her upset. Right. She was like, I need somewhere to go and some guidance. My mom's not giving it to me. I mean, I'm sure she feels betrayed by her daughter because there's always this unspoken or actually sometimes spoken like animosity between Lorelai and her parents. Mm -hmm. So I could see being like, oh, you chose them even though I think they're evil. Right. Anyway, we also have a really, really fun scene following this one. The next day at the end, Michelle is listening to some super, super, super sweaty, super chatty cyclist guy talk about what a great time he had at the end during the race. Michelle, like, asks him nicely to move his arm, and then as soon as the guy does, he aggressively sprays it with, like, cleaner and wipes down the desk where the guy was leaning. Lorelai sees this and comes over and, like, scolds Michelle for doing that. She's like, you gotta cool it on the spray and the wiping. And she tries to, like, smooth things over with the bicyclist. But then she sees how sweaty the guy is. And she stops him from sitting down and then throws away the magazine he was holding. She doesn't even touch the magazine either. She, like, pushes it into the trash can with her (laughs) foot. And then she calls Michelle over to spray the wall where the guy was standing. It was all very funny. Why is this guy sweaty? Didn't the bike race end last night? He said he had to do one more lap around the town because it was so beautiful. Okay. <laughs> but this is all super funny. I liked it. I just, I also just really love how Laura is mad at Michelle, but then it's like, oh, no, I'm uh, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> it just needs to be sprayed. Michelle also mentions very quickly that Emily called and says she's going to stop by the house to pick up some of Rory's things. At 11. So I assume this is the morning sometime before 11. 
And that's important because the next scene we have is Emily stopping by Lorelai's house to pick up Rory's stuff. But Michelle answers the door. Emily's kind of confused. She's like, uh, thank you for letting me in, but where's Lorelai? He's like, oh, she's not here. I've been instructed to let you in and then sit here until you leave. And he just reads the magazine and ignores her. He said he was sent to open the door like a servant. Like a servant, yeah. <laughs> Emily is pissed. She's super pissed that Lorelai isn't there. She's also super pissed that Lorelai didn't pack up anything. She goes into Rory's room. Everything's just around. And she's pissed that Michelle is babysitting her. And she's all like, what am I supposed to do all this? Like, she didn't do anything. And it's pretty funny because Michelle just either ignores her while reading the magazine or, like, answers her questions sarcastically. Like, at some point, she's, like, yelling about what she's supposed to do. And he's like, I'm sorry. If you're talking to me, you're going to have to do it in woofs. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I mentioned the time, though. Like, when was Lorelai supposed to pack stuff right. up? She called that morning. Lorelai was at work. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things about Gilmore Girls. I don't know that Amy ever has an idea of what time is. There's a lot of weird time things in the show. I was just like, you can't. She was at work. Why are you mad at her? One of the reasons that Emily was there is she wanted to find the perfect outfit for Rory to wear to court. And when we get to court, we see Rory wearing an outfit that we've seen before. That weird ribbon pocketed sweater. It's a weird choice. Yeah, even Emily's like, yeah, maybe it's a little more men and I that I was hoping for. Yeah, I, I thought it was weird the first time I saw this sweater, let alone in a courthouse situation. I do like that they reuse clothes, too. Sure, I do, too. I think the dress that Paris was borrowing, we've seen before. The judge reads the plea agreement, 20 hours of community service, and then confirms it with the prosecution, which is apparently a child. Like, it's... <laughs> I recognize this guy. I couldn't figure out where. I looked it up. He was in um, Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Does he play a teenage district attorney? Because this guy is, <laughs> his voice is about to crack, I feel like. He has not hit puberty. This is very young. He plays a nerd in high school named Gordy. At first, things seem to be going pretty well. Rory's lawyer, Charlie, throws some, like, super fake charm out there and says that Rory is very remorseful. You know, this is just a childish lark. It's never going to happen again. But the judge ain't having any of this. She's like, no, you're a Richie L kid. I don't like Richie L kids bypassing the law. And the plea deal is a joke. You're doing 300 hours of community service. And also, you're going to be on probation. And also, this is going to go on your permanent record for at least the next five years. When they hear this, Richard and Emily freak out. Richard, like, loses his shit. He just, like, stands up and starts yelling at his lawyer and then also at the judge. I honestly don't buy this. Like, I don't feel like Richard would do that. He's like a super proper guy. He, like, threatens the judge, essentially. Uh, It's so unprofessional. Yeah, I agree. And Emily, too, was just, like, making a bunch of silly comments during this that felt, like, not the time to make jokes. Yeah, I could see Richard being very mad afterwards, but, like, in the moment, especially when the judge is like, you know, you need to calm down. He's all like, I'm Richard Gilmore. Like, literally, she just said she doesn't like rich people and you're, you're being hella rich right now. Yeah. When the judge threatens Rory with taking this to trial, which would include a lot of other charges, Rory makes her grandfather sit down and says she'll accept the deal. She says, like, how am I supposed to do 300 hours in the next six months? I have to get a job. And I'm just like, you're living rent free in your grandparents' super nice pool house. You don't need a job right away. Yeah, it's um, it's 11 and a half hours a week, which is a lot if you're going to be working 40 hours, I guess, to Maybe do. I mean, it's definitely possible, but she doesn't necessarily need to work 40 hours. Yeah. And also, you did steal a yacht. People talk about this all the time, that that's like not that much. If you're trying to squeeze in a full-time job, a couple hours a day of community service maybe is. Yeah. But she's literally like not doing anything else right now. Yeah, exactly. She's got it made. Eat an organic 
croissant and then go pick up trash for two hours a day. And maybe there's even some kind of community service that's like doing something with books or something that could be like good for her. Yeah. Rory notices that her mother's not there and she asks Richard if he told her all the details. And he's like, yeah, she didn't seem that interested. And you can just tell that Rory's like, oh, sad that her mom wasn't there. And I'm torn because on the one hand, it's like her mom's hurt. Richard and Emily are dealing with all this, so maybe she doesn't have to be part of it. But the same token, it's like, yeah, she's not there for her daughter. I don't know. It's tough. It is tough. The scene ends with Richard following Charlie out. He's threatening to sue Charlie and even kill Charlie. And then, as they're following him out, Emily says, Richard, you can't kill him here. We're in a courthouse. <laughs> you can kill him somewhere else. That's fine. <laughs> Lorelai comes home to find a dozen or so angry notes and answering machine messages from her mother. Lorelai packs up Rory's things and then brings them to Emily's. She just like barges into their bedroom in the middle of the night, waking them up and just like dumps Rory's things out on the floor. It's uh, kind of a lot. Yeah. How did she get in? Does she have a key? Probably. There's probably like a nightmaid. I guess she knows ways to sneak in maybe too. The security password is pretty easy to crack on that front door. <laughs> but it's like kind of crazy that she like wakes up her parents. I know she's mad at them, but it's like you're just barging into their house at like midnight like waking them up, Emily's like, listen, I know you hate us. And Laura was like, no, I don't hate you. You can't help yourself. You're like the scorpion from the scorpion and the frog story. Richard says sleepily that despite what Lorelai thinks, they are all trying to do what's best for Rory. Rory's made mistakes. That's true. But they all need to work together to help her get back on track. And I think that this is important because I think Richard and Emily have a lot of problems and a lot of flaws. But I do think that they are trying to do what's best for Rory, even if Lorelai doesn't see that. Yeah, this is the scene where I was like, I, I do think Lorelai's right about them being excited for their duel yes. for daughter. Yes, But I do think that they do just want to, like, help her also, and Lorelai's uninterested in that. I think having the duel over daughter is, like, a side benefit they're really excited about. But, like, at the end of the day, they want nothing more than for Rory to go back to school, too, and they're they're going to push for that. yeah. It's interesting that they both want Rory to go to Yale, but for, like, different reasons. What are the different reasons? I think Lorelai is just like, this is the plan I've had for you. I'm going to get you to Yale on my own without my parents' help. Yeah. And you're going to have a successful career. Where Richard and Emily, it's more like a status thing. Yeah. Like, you're going to go to Yale just like I did. And you're going to marry a rich man like Logan and be a rich lady that everybody knows. And I don't think, Lore I think Lorelai just wants her to, like, have a good career, but... I mean, now Rory's telling her, I don't want that right now. And Lorelai's like, yes, you do, because that's what I want for you. Lorelai doesn't see it their way at all. She says, you know what? They've won. They got what they wanted. Their new do-over daughter. It's just it's a weird phrase, do-over daughter. But she's out. Now they have the daughter they always wanted, but she's not going to be involved. And she leaves. But that's not nice. Yeah. It's very upsetting to just, like, cut herself out. We've talked about this to death at this point, but she's cutting herself out of her daughter's life, and she has not had a conversation with her daughter since that fight. I think that's a problem, a mistake Lorelai's making. Yeah. But I get why she's mad at them. Yes. Also, Richard is wearing a gold chain to sleep. Um, I don't wear necklaces, but is that weird? He doesn't seem like the gold chain necklace wearing kind of guy. Yeah. Does he wear it to not sleep? I that's just his sleeping necklace. <laughs> Always covered by the bow tie. I don't know, rich people. Luke is closing up his diner, and Kirk is demanding and begging for the ring he sold Luke back. He says his backup ring pulled through. That was hilarious. Meaning the old woman he was hoping would die so he could get her ring got better. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he thinks that the ring that he sold Luke might be one that Lulu maybe looked at. Luke's like, no, screw you. I bought it from you fair and square. I even paid too much money. And you know what? I'm on team Luke as far as this is concerned because Kirk like tried to steal the Twickham house from him. So fuck you, man. He doesn't owe you anything. Yeah, that one looks like Lorelai. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that means. We then get a hilarious scene where Babette screams Luke from down the street and then just like runs to the diner for about forever. (laughs) She just like runs this super long distance, super out of breath. She has to like grab her breasts so they don't like flop around. (laughs) And then she gets there. She's like out of breath, gasping for air, saying that Eastside Tilly told her that there's a rift between Lorelai and Rory. Is this true? Is this true? Luke mentions that Rory and Lorelai maybe had a little tip, but they're going to be just fine. They're going to be fine. And then Kirk tells Babette, nice ring. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, looks like she's about to die. So. Yeah. We then cut to Lorelai going home, walking into Rory's room, sitting down, and then just starting to cry. Before she can really go to Crytown, though, Luke shows up, and he just like shouts from the front, like, full moon, moment's here, let's go. And she composes herself and goes to meet him. But what moment is he talking about? I'm assuming he's going to propose, but, like, does she know he's going to propose? Right. It's not romantic if he's, like, angrily planned a romantic moment. Yeah. Like, tick-tock, it's time. But it's also something about, like, is Lorelai hiding her sadness from Luke? Seems that way. Yeah. That's why I mentioned, like, this the second time this episode where she's like, no, we're doing us. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I mean, in Luke's defense, the first time he was, like, Hey, like, you sure you want to do this? Like, uh, he checked in with her. So it's not like Mm -hmm. he's being, like, some, like, oblivious asshole. She's, like, hiding this from him. He's being great. Except this weird rushed proposal he's screaming at her. This proposal he's got to do. Is that photographer from the in photo shoot here to take a picture or something? And they're going to lose the moonlight? Well, if Taylor shuts the moon off, they're... (laughs) Yeah, they got to hurry. Yeah. I mean, you got to understand, his masculinity is at stake here. He drank a Zima yesterday. He's now been proposed to he's got to reclaim his testosterone according to andrew tate so do you think this is a good episode yeah it was pretty good there was a lot of good moments yeah the the opening scene was nice Mm -hmm. it was very funny with the taylor stuff luke saying yes was so good the way he just like no hesitation was like yes some of the stuff with like rory's court thing was weird like richard and emily were kind of a lot yeah but they're excited i think i think maybe that's meant to show that they are excited that they get to like mold their Rory in their own image. Yeah. And, well, I do think that Lorelai's kind of not being cool to Rory. The drama of all that is interesting. And there was some funny stuff with Kirk and Babette. Not the best episode ever, but I think there was a lot of good stuff. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, it was one of those ones where, I don't know, like it didn't like stand out as like an amazing episode. Like all Gilmore Girl episodes, it definitely had some very, very funny moments. But it doesn't stand out to me as a, an amazing episode. It was more like a cleanup. We got to clean up what happened last yeah. season. Yeah. Saying that, though, Buffy also has a lot of cleanup to do. Yeah. So I would say it was, a, it was an okay episode. Okay. Should we move on? Let's do it. And now for a special segment we like to call... Meanwhile, Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 6, Episode 1, Valhalla of the Dolls, Part 1. Even though Leo is gone, what? What? Piper is in a surprisingly chipper mood, leading Paige to suspect that Leo altered Piper's memory. However, 
Paige's spell to restore Piper's memory clashes with Leo's and causes total amnesia. What is Valhalla? That's where, like, Vikings go when they die, right? Is Leo dead? I, he's gone. He was becoming an elder. Did he go to dog heaven? Yeah, yeah, I guess he died of old age. Okay, but maybe he's just still somewhere, like a different plane? He probably went to, like, a retirement home. Yeah, maybe they think he's dead? Yeah, he's gone. He went to retirement home. He knew he was getting too old for Piper, but it looks like he cast some sort of, like, forget spell. But Piper is acting way too happy for how gone Leo is. <laughs> for how gone Leo is, yep. She's happier than ever. She's yeah. going about her day. She's making everybody breakfast. She's a lot like Luke in this last episode. Like, she's just pouring people coffee. Yes, it's a lot like that. But Paige's like, this is, you, you, your dog's gone. Why are you so happy? So she does that memory spell, and obviously it clashes with Leo's, and there's a big uh, spell fight. Which is really cool. Looks like a lot of colors fighting. Uh, and yeah. then she's like totally uh, doesn't know who she is. Then it's the opposite. She's unhelpful. She's just sitting in a chair. She doesn't know who anyone is. It's funny because Piper starts doing magic and she's all like, oh my God, I can do magic. And she's doing all kinds of crazy magic because she doesn't really know what she's doing or that there's like a balance or any of that stuff. But also this is like a huge exposition dump episode yeah. to like remind us everything that happened in the previous seasons because they have to like tell Piper all the stuff. Right, and they thought about making a Leo bot, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good choice. But the episode ends with Piper like leaving and like realizing she can do magic and starting to do it, and it's gonna get bad because you know she's just she has no idea what the consequences are of doing magic. Yeah, she doesn't know what her limitations are or yeah anything. So she actually leaves. I mean, it, it, she's not like oh I can do magic. She thinks she's a superhero. Yeah, so she's like climbing a building to yeah. do who knows what from up top. Yeah. So tune in next week for part two of Valhalla of the Dolls, which somehow will be connected to Vikings. I don't know how. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's with where Leo is. We'll see. Maybe Leo's dead. Yeah, we'll see. This has been Meanwhile on Charmed. So Stacey, we also watched Buffy. Can you please tell us all about Bargaining Part 1? So this episode is about the Scooby gang dealing with the aftermath of losing Buffy. Mm Mm-hmm. They've replaced her with the Buffy bot, but I think everyone will agree that's not a perfect substitution. And everyone's still kind of grieving her in their own way and trying to move on slash bring Buffy back from the dead. So it opens on the graveyard. Classic Buffy stuff. Spike's chasing a plus-size vampire. They can't catch him. Giles is tired. Tara says, I thought the big ones were supposed to tire more easily. Spike's like, no, that's over-the-hill shopkeepers. Speaking of Giles. Giles is like, I'm fine. I just need to die for a minute. He's he's out of breath, much like Babette. <laughs> yeah. Out of breath, old people. Then Willow, standing on top of a crypt, is giving them directions telepathically. Guess that's something she can do now. Yeah. She did that a little bit at the end of season five. Xander and Anya think this is intrusive, and it kind of is, but it is stealthy, I guess. I'm thinking this is harder for them to kill vampires because Buffy's dead. Yeah. So they're all really struggling just to kill like one vampire. But uh uh-oh, who's this? Is that Buffy fighting a vampire? Seems to be. Seems to be. The vampire is choking Giles with an axe handle and he's like, Spike! Spike just lights a cigarette. Willow's like, what the fuck? Help him. He's like, I did. I mean, then we see that he lit his shirt on fire. So he eventually bursts into flames, still choking Giles. Giles is like, cool, could have told me. Spike's like, oh, did your life pass before your eyes? Cup of tea, cup of tea, almost got jacked, cup of tea. That's pretty funny. That is his life. 
There's another vampire to which Buffy deals the killing blow, delivering her new sassy catchphrase of, that'll put marzipan in your pie plate, bingo. (laughs) (laughs) I suspected, but this pretty much solidified that this is Buffy bot with her head screwed back on. Yeah. Will's like, yeah, I don't know. I tried to program her with some puns, but it's just kind of (laughs) nonsense. Buffy bot's like, I think it's funny. Willow assures everyone she'll fix it. Giles is like, well, you better. No one can know she's fake. We need people and creatures to believe that she's alive and well. But the general vibe from the group is that this is not the real Buffy and no one can replace her. They're all very sad. I guess when they put her head back on, they also gave her new hair. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I didn't really thought about that. She's got like kind of darker hair now. I'm sure Sarah just wanted new hair, but that means Buffy Bot got new hair too. I guess so. Couple noticeable things about the opening credits. Uh, Giles ain't in them. Yeah. Special guest star Anthony Stewart Head. What mm. is this now? Mm. No, thank you, please. Yeah. Um, don't like that, Brian. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. I didn't sign up for this. <sighs> also, I didn't notice this on first watch, but Willow is credited specially. Did you see that? Yeah. It says Allison Hannigan as Willow. What yeah. did she do to get a special credit? American Pie 2? <laughs> I guess so. Giles is losing his special credit, so she gets his. I guess. I mean, I stand by she's probably the most financially successful person out of the show. Maybe Sarah got paid a ton more and is just living off that still, but Willow had a huge show after this. She's done, and then she was also on the Magic show. Yeah, she still is, I think. Is yeah. that still on? I don't know. But at this time, I think she had just done American Pie 2. Was that huge? It might have been. American Pie was a huge movie. I've only seen the first one. She doesn't have a big part, does she? Uh, She does, but she has a much bigger... She's in all the other ones, too. Yeah. She has the most quoted part. Yeah. She probably just put it in her contract. Um, I'm the Bandcamp girl. Could we do some about my intro? <laughs> Willow and Tara seem to be Dawn's new mommies. They've moved into Joyce's bedroom. Apparently Buffy Bot just lives there, too. She's in the kitchen making a million giant sandwiches, which Dawn refers to as mega witches, which causes confusion for the witches in the house. Xander shows up saying, House of Chicks, relax. I'm a man and I have a tool. Glad to see season one Xander back. We all missed him. (laughs) Yeah. Why would he not say tools? I'm really not sure if he was trying to be funny and it didn't work. Because he almost plays it off like, obviously I meant tools. You guys are being weird. Yeah, I don't know. This is where Amy was like, ooh, ooh, this is great inspiration for Luke in my episode. Yeah. Also, is there a season six subplot that they're all on a sports team? Everyone's got freaking numbers on their shirts. Yeah, it's. I wondered if this was like a counting down to something, but it's not. Yeah, like that How I Met Your Mother episode? Yeah, exactly. Willow's 11, Xander's 13. Anya calls. Apparently she's found that thing for tonight. More on that later. They're going to have a secret Scooby meeting that they don't want Dawn to know about, and Spike's going to be babysitting. I'm like, why the fuck is Buffy Bot just walking around Yeah. when we don't need her for fighting demons? Yeah. I get that we need to keep up appearances, but having her just around constantly can't be good for anyone's grief, especially Dawn. We find out later it is not. Yeah. But then they explain to Buffy Bot for her and our benefit that she shouldn't answer the phone because it could be their dad. And if he suspected something was wrong, he could take Dawn away. Even if BuffyBot was super weird on the phone, I highly doubt their dad would be like, wait a minute, are you a robot? (laughs) How dare you fake take care of my fake daughter? I've probably never actually met. Yeah. 
does he even remember her? Like, he's never come into contact with her. I don't know yeah. how the things The show work. never answers that. I'm, I, I can't imagine that the monks didn't give him memories, though, right? Because otherwise there would be conflicts. Like, they, yeah. he would call and be like, wait, who's Don? Would he call? That's <laughs> I love how they're so worried he's going to call when he's never called. That's really funny. Like, what <laughs> if we never could happen? Last time he called, it was to say, I'm not coming to celebrate your birthday. Yeah, and he might call to cancel on some other event. <laughs> So, <laughs> Buffy Bot's like, I totally get it. I want you to stay here, Dawn. Let's not fuck that up for you. You're my sister. And she gives her a big robot squeeze, and the general vibe is like, what are we doing? This is really fucking this kid up by letting this robot walk yeah. around pretending things are normal. It's so insane that they're doing that. She should be in the basement in a box or something until it's time to fight. Yeah, like, unless someone's knocking at the door trying to take Dawn, turn her off. Yeah. Like, then turn her on, bring her to the door. This is weird. Yeah, just say Bubby's not here until you have an appointment. Also, they're trying to hide the fact that she's dead. Maybe don't build her a giant headstone. Yeah. It's not just, like, in their backyard, either. It seems to be somewhat public. It's not in a graveyard, but it's somewhere people can find. They find yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I we talked about this, and I, I don't know that I agree. It's sort of, like, who's, like, checking all the gravestones for Buffy's? Yeah, I know, but her name is on it. And her profession. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. But Buffybot is about to face her most dangerous challenge ever, parent-teacher day. <laughs> and despite abruptly standing up and saying things like, school is where you learn, and I don't eat, but I make Don's lunch every day, Buffy's totally nailing this meeting and inspires a whole school lunch program revolution. <laughs> they love yep. her at school. Love her. At the magic shop, Anya and Giles are having a little tiff. Giles is being a little over-analytical of Anya's financial reports because he's leaving. What? He's moving back to England? What? What the fuck is that? I, I was pretty sure he left at some point. I didn't think it was yet. Yeah. I don't like this. I know. I'm out if he's out. Yeah. I'm done. Turn it off. Yeah. Shut it down. I know. I know. I miss Giles already. <sighs> he's trying to take some statue with him that Anya doesn't want him to take. And they get into this very childlike slap fight about it. That's pretty funny. Giles is leaving the store to Anya, but he's still going to be a silent partner. But Anya's upset because he keeps saying he's going to go, but he isn't. Something's keeping him here. Probably like, hope Buffy will come back somehow. So she's getting like store owner blue balls. They also seem to be concocting some kind of secret plan to bring Buffy back. So maybe Giles doesn't even need to leave, but she's frustrated because they've decided not to tell him that. And also for some reason they're hiding their engagement. Xander says they should announce it when things aren't so up in the air. I don't really see why they can't just tell people, though. Yeah, I mean, we know that they're going to do a spell to bring Buffy back. And so maybe he wants to do it with everybody. And, like, maybe this is, like, taking up all of their, like, mental bandwidth right now. Sure. And it's, like, weird to celebrate something while we're, like, mourning Buffy still. But unlike Gilmore Girls, I think time has passed. Like, Gilmore Girls is literally, like, next day, season six starts, where I think mm -hmm. now we're to believe maybe summer has passed because, like, Dawn's starting school again. Yeah. Spike's babysitting Dawn while the Scoobies have a meeting. Dawn's like, hey, if you're bored, you can go. No one's chasing me anymore. I'm not the key, or at least I don't open anything anymore. Do we know that? We don't know some other bad thing won't come along want to open something with you. Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like it's weird because... The key was made. It's been around forever. And like there seemed to be some sort of like time where the key needed to be used. But I feel like it's got to be something that reoccurs because otherwise like what she's why was she made for like centuries before for some event that she wasn't used for? Or if she's literally energy, like her power could maybe be harnessed for something else. Yeah. They don't even know that much about the key. 
So for her to be like, yeah, I don't know, but he's like, you have no clue what you could also maybe open. But Spike, very forcefully, is like, I'm not leaving. I'm not letting you get hurt again. Seems like he's maybe dealing with some guilt about how Doc just kind of knocked him off the tower mid-saving yeah. Dawn, and therefore Buffy had to die. Oh, Spike. I feel bad for Spike. He's so sad. Yeah. A woman is being attacked in an alley by a vampire wearing a Hanson shirt, but Buffy Bot's on patrol. He hits her in the head with a glass bottle, and she just starts circuiting out, and then she just like keeps walking into the same stack of barrels, making robot noises. I don't know why she makes robot noises sometimes when she walks. <laughs> Not all the time. Just when she's broken. That would be a giveaway that she's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> At Xander's place. Anya has successfully obtained the urn of Osiris from a desert gnome in Cairo on eBay, along with a limited edition Backstreet Boys lunchbox for Xander. Yeah. A lot of boys liking boy bands. That's his Zima. Yeah. Willow, who's clearly in charge here now, declares that they have everything they need and it's time to bring Buffy back from the dead tomorrow. That was a funny line where Xander's like, well, who put you in charge? And like, well, you did. You like make a big deal about it. Yes, they were like, we should vote. We all agreed it should be Willow. You made like a little plaque about it. <laughs> it also makes sense. Willow's Yeah, like, she has the most power. Yeah, I mean, I think Xander's like the heart of the group in a sense. But like Willow is like, when things need to get done, we go to Willow. <laughs> and she also like was closest with Buffy. Yeah. It's not going to be Anya or Tara. And Willow's just smarter than Xander too. Oh my God, Tara in charge. Okay, guys, um... Um, maybe, you know, if you guys feel like it, we could maybe, it's up to you, but like no pressure, but like maybe we, uh, whatever. I don't know. She's assertive sometimes. Sure. When she wants her applesauce. (laughs) (laughs) Last season. Last season. I saw her sneak one in this episode. (laughs) She's got a stash under Joyce's bed. Okay. Even though they've all agreed that they're going to bring Buffy back. Xander and Anya seem pretty skeptical about this. But even though it seems pretty dangerous and hard, Willow's confident she can do it, and no one but the four of them can know. She says because Buffy was killed by mystical energy, this isn't the same as Dawn trying to bring Joyce back. Being killed by mystical energy also means they don't really know where her essence is. There's all this essence stuff. But like she might be trapped in like a hell dimension, like Angel was. Right. And they all agree we can't just leave her somewhere like that if that's true. And they accept the risk. And this sort of fits the lore we set up, right? Like Angel was able to come back from the dead because he died through mystical means. Okay. Has that been said? No, but I mean, that would justify why Angel was able to come back. Sure. What brought him back, though? Her putting the ring on the ground? Literally, we will never find out. That's so stupid. Well, what, and someone's probably mad that I said that. The first took credit for bringing him back. Yes. But there was no indication of how the first brought him back. But also in Angel, there will be a character who will allude to the idea that like maybe they did. But they also don't say how they did. Or they also could have just been like, I set put things in place so that the first would bring you back. Like, it's not clear how they brought him back. But this line at least lets us know that Angel was able to be brought back probably because he died mystically. But how the first brought him back or how this other person may have brought him back is never explained or made clear. The first also lies a bunch, so we don't know that the first is telling the truth in that episode. Okay. Well, Buffy Bot has made her way back home, still bumping into stuff. So Willow's got to make a couple adjustments. Willow's maybe got too much on her plate. She's kind of doing everything right now. She's got way too much on her plate. She's got like a hundred sandwiches on. (laughs) (laughs) 
She's doing all kinds of witch stuff. She's bringing a friend back from the dead. Light robot repair. She's a mom, a new homeowner. <laughs> yeah. Just, Spends hours straightening her hair. She's just. <laughs> who owns this house now? Like, how is that working financially? Is it paid off? That's all a good question. Joyce was working so much. No way it was paid off. Buffy lets us know that she's programmed to go to Willow when she's injured. That probably won't be important. You know what would be funny is if, like, they also had Ted up and running. Like, she figures out how to do this, and Ted just becomes a character, too. (laughs) Well, he's buried somewhere. Yeah. Buffy also makes a comment about how much she likes Spike's abs. Spike's like, I told you to make her stop doing that. And then just, like, storms out. Buffy bot thinks Spike doesn't like her anymore. Willow's like, don't worry about it. He's just grumpy. But Spike's not grumpy. He's grieving. This is hard for him. I thought they did a good job with Spike's character trying to do right by Buffy, but also being upset. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's taking care of Dawn, because that's what what Buffy would want. He's making up for his failure. He's kind of being like Lorelai, too, or he's kind of, like, hiding the fact that he's upset. Yeah. That night, everyone at the Summer's house is nestled all snug in their beds, including Buffy Bot, who's jacked in, but Dawn can't sleep, so she goes in to snuggle with Buffy. Get her out of there! This is so (laughs) sad! Weird! Yeah. Lock the door. She's just laying there charging with her eyes open. Dawn can't go in there. Put her in the basement. Another connection, man. Just people barging into sleeping people's rooms in the middle of the night. (laughs) You're right. The next day, Giles is training Buffy Bot on fighting and breathing. Seems not necessary, which Anya points out. He says he's trying to test her responses after her injury, but I think he just misses Buffy. Yeah. Buffybot says she likes training with him because every Slayer needs her watcher. He's like, this is fucking weird. Also, I don't know. Maybe she would have been better off without me. I got her killed, but I guess that's how Slayer-watcher relationships end. I did my job. Buffybot's like, then why are you still here? And you can see in his face, he's like, yeah, I am kind of just clinging to something that isn't here anymore. So sad. I know. He feels like he let her down, and what the fuck is he doing here? And he's just waiting. Cut to Demon Biker Gang. You know, very obnoxious music. What the fuck is this? They're at some non-Willie's Demon Bar in a different town during the day, and the Hanson vampire is there bragging to a biker demon about how he almost killed the Slayer and how she's a robot. They pass this, this info on to the head biker demon? There's no Slayer in Sunnydale. Ooh. Nowhere like a hellmouth for a party. So they're all going to go there. The Hanson vampire thinks he's going to get to join this gang because he shared this info, but they clearly hate vampires, especially this one. I don't know how this guy thought he was safe there. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention his Hanson t-shirt. What the fuck is going on? The leader just rips his head off. They hop on their bikes, head off to Sunnydale to the fucking Power Rangers soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) It's like what the Power Rangers fight to. It's such intense music. These demons look cool. They do. I think they do look cool, actually. They have, like, no noses and, like, big pointy teeth. they got, like, weird... bondage gear built into their face. (laughs) I think they look cool. They do look cool. But I don't like them. I hope they're not the big bads. I don't like motorcycles very much. And so (laughs) they're just loud. (laughs) It's so loud. And the music... You can kill people, but don't be loud. Yeah, just be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, do it quietly. Do, like, the hush guys. I love the hush guys. (laughs) Can you imagine the hush guys on motorcycles? <laughs> Willow is sitting in a field doing an incantation to summon a baby deer. Very sweet. Until she cuts it open and rips its heart out. Yeah, I know. That was intense. I hope that's something she needs for their spell and not just something she's into now. 
It's weird because she was like wearing a white dress and then she immediately goes to the magic shop, but she changed. Was the white dress part of it? Yeah. Or was that just to like make it seem innocent? Oh, yeah, I suppose she had to change. I mean, she knew what she was going to do. Why would she wear a white dress? I don't know. That's a good question. I think it was to make it seem like sweet and cute. Yeah. So she heads to the magic shop. Giles is out. So the secret spell club holds a little meeting. Willow's being a little secretive about the ingredient she just got. Is the show sponsored by hair straighteners? Are hair straighteners sponsoring the sports team they're all on? Just all three women <laughs> in the scene have such straight hair. Yeah. They're all feeling pretty nervous about tonight. Anya offers comfort to Tara by offering to let her look at the money. And then she finds a very short note from Giles. He British goodbyed. It just says, like, gotta go. Giles out. <laughs> yeah, very British. <laughs> it's like Irish goodbye. but he's Later, there. players. <laughs> It says a little more than that, but, like, barely. He's just like, I didn't want to say goodbye, so I left. Love you. Ta-ta. So they find him at the airport. Gate. Very interesting. That's not a thing you can just do anymore. Yeah, this is very, like, it's post-9-11, but, like, pre-9-11 ideals. of. Yeah, it it was clearly shot pre-9-11, and it actually aired October of 2001. Um, But I, I looked it up. TSA formed in November of 2001. You can't just walk to the gate now. Yeah. But they must have shot this, like, that summer before any of that even happened. Yeah. I don't know what it was like between 9-11 and when the TSA started. If anyone does, let us know. I had never actually flown in my life until, like, 2003. So I've always had that. But Yeah. I don't know if there were, like, some extra security in place during that mid-time. Right. He tells them he was just trying to avoid a scene. And Will is like, we'd never make a scene. They've got, like, a giant poster with balloons. (laughs) Yeah. They brought gifts. Anya says, lovely party gifts. Get it? Apple pie. I don't get it. Was it? Am I dumb? Well, pa- apple pie is an American food. Like, isn't that like super American? Okay. Sure. I think that's the idea. It's like a microwave apple pie, like from McDonald's. I mean, I think it was just like, like if we were leaving England and they were like, here's some mashy peas and shit fish and chips. Shit fish? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Britain. <laughs> We Here's know we have listeners there. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> they also brought him a little finger puppet monster to remember Sunny and by. And Tara does the little grr, arc thing. That's cute. Like yeah. at the end of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Also remember there's that episode of Angel where they fight a finger puppet demon? Yeah. That's not actually true. But there's a, a big demon that looks like a finger puppet yeah, demon yeah, one yeah. time. They made him a little card. Anya promises she'll take really good care of his money. Then his flight starts boarding. It's got to go now. They all take turns hugging him. Willow's just trying not to get emotional. and It's just pretending this isn't happening. This is stupid. I'm so sad. Just tell him what you guys are doing tonight and he won't go. Yeah. He'd probably stop them though. Yeah. But later they are like, we should have told him. Because what if it works? And Willow's like, well, he'll come back probably. But he gets on the plane. Not even Dawn's lucky number seven shirt can get him to stay. <laughs> Night is falling. The motorcycle gang has reached the city limits. The Scooby gang is gathered with candles around Buffy's grave. Willow pours, I guess, some of the deer blood into the urn, prays to Osiris, puts some of the blood on her face, pours out the rest of it. For her homies. (laughs) Then a bunch of cuts start showing up on Willow's arms. Xander's freaking out. Tara's like, no, it's okay. She told me she'd be tested. This is normal. Willow said not to stop, no matter what. She's strong. We can't break the cycle. But rumble, rumble, motorcycle gang's in town. 
They're smashing windows, knocking over tables, looting. These demons know how to party. <laughs> like This is the Hellmouth shit they wanted to do. Could they have done this in any town? <laughs> Bubby Bot shows up. She's like, hey, don't steal. And dude like screeches to summon his friends over. It's kind of cool. Some of his friends are just normal dudes, by the way. But most are these like toothy, noseless bondage demons. But Headbiker isn't threatened by Buffy. He knows she's just a robot. And he's got Wolverine hands. So he just like slashes her open. So now she's injured. And as we've set up, she needs to return to Willow. They follow her on their bikes. Willow's still begging Osiris to let Buffy cross over. And then she coughs up a snake. This is the best snake they've ever done. Yeah, they were like, you know what? UPN has a huge snake budget. We can do a snake, <laughs> finally. Mostly because it's a real snake. Yeah. Like, it's CGI coming out of her mouth. but No, it's a real snake coming out of her mouth. That's why she gets the special credit. Because <laughs> she's like, I'll swallow Willow, a snake. Willow, we are going to put a snake down your throat, but um, we'll tell people you're playing Willow. Yeah, this happened at Bandcamp. You said you could do this. <laughs> but then Willow's in like a flame pillar. Buffy Bot shows up looking for repairs, followed by the biker gang. Are we to believe she outran their bikes until this point? Unless the downtown's just on the other side of the bushes. I mean, she could probably take paths they could not. Maybe, yeah. they have vehicles. One of the bikes runs over the urn, abruptly ripping Willow from her trance. The gang kind of scatters. Not sure what happened to Buffy Bot. They were like circling her on her bikes, but that's the last we saw of her. They almost kidnap Anya. Tara does a quick spell to prevent that. Xander checks in with Willow. She asks him if the spell worked. He's like, yeah, I don't think so. And then Willow faints. And then we pan to the underground where some spell magic is wafting over a rotting Buffy. She comes back to prettiness. <laughs> she <laughs> and wakes up in her coffin looking a little panicked. That's it. That's the end? It's the end of part one. Oh, my God. It ends with her coming back to prettiness? Mm-hmm. Right. What did you think, Brian? Was this a well, good episode? Yeah, I think it was. Um, it had the emotional stuff with Giles. It had the emotional stuff of, like, we're dealing with this Buffy thing. And, like, that scene where Dawn gets in bed with Buffy is, like, super emotional. And, you know, it's got some funny parts in it, too. It's not the funniest episode, but it definitely has funny parts. But it, it kind of shows us how they're all grieving over Buffy's death, and I feel like the show does a good job of that. I think the handsome vampire is kind of eye-rolly dumb, and I just, like, hate the biker guys just because the bikes are kind of annoying to hear. But I, yeah. do feel they, I do feel like their design is good. Yeah. I also feel like the Buffy bot is dumb, like, whatever. But I feel like they showed it a good job of, like, how do we get Sarah in this episode, even though she's dead? Uh, and, like, I feel like they did a good job justifying it plot-wise as far as, like, the Buffy bot is to scare off more demons, so they think the Slayer's still here. So I have to say that I do think it's a good episode. Not the best, not the funniest, but, I, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's it's setting up a lot of stuff, but I, I do think it's good. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it was good. Um, the Buffy bot thing was, like, very... I mean, it was funny. She was fine. There were funny moments with it, but it was just like, this seems crazy what you guys are doing. Yeah. And you and I kind of talked about this. Willow being like as magical as she is now seems so... OP, overpowered? Yeah. yeah. Like, when did this happen? Like, you're just like so different now. I can't, I feel like I'm not articulating it well. Do you remember? Well, it seems like she was always getting stronger. But like in season three, she was like floating pencils. And in season four, she was like floating pencils better. And with Tara was like being able to do some real magic. 
But season five, it was like halfway through, she suddenly was like, yeah, I'm like an archmage now. And it was like, where did this come from? Because you read that one book after Tara went insane? Yeah, like they're telling us she's magical, but like we didn't really see that progression at all. And how did that happen? Like what what did she do to train? We didn't see her like learning or... But we have to admit now that time has passed since the end of the last season. And she's clearly been getting better. And we can't blame the show for not showing us what happened off screen. Yeah. So I think at this point, we just need to accept it. Season five, that was a complaint that I agree with you on. But at this point, like, okay, well, that is what's set. And she probably has gotten better. I guess we just like also don't know any other like magical people. That is true. So I don't know like what standard is for that. So now just, just like magic is very much being introduced very hard, I think. But only through her and like a little bit through Tara. Yeah. It'd be Which nice to see fine. other witches and warlocks, yeah. We knew it existed, but yeah, I, it's kind of a new thing that we're like, this is a huge part of the show now. You'd think someone like the mayor would have had like a witch or warlock like uh, in his crew. Yeah, yeah. Or like Willow looked up to someone that was more powerful or like Jenny had more magic that she was teaching right. Willow or something. Or, like, the show could have also been, like, why is Willow so exceptionally talented at this? Right. What makes her so powerful? Yeah. And I feel like there's ways they could justify it. But, like, they haven't really. They're just like, yeah, she's great. Like, okay, why is she so great? Why is Tara not better than her? Mm-hmm. It would be good to get that justification. I agree. They're leaving that out. But, I mean, that's a problem with last season, I think. They've already set that up, and she's getting stronger. I don't have a problem with that. So, we got to ask, which one do we think was better? I'm really conflicted. I'm conflicted as well. I, oof. I'm torn, but I, I think I'm going to go Buffy. Okay. I felt like after watching them, I was for sure thinking it was Gilmore. Because some of the stuff in Buffy was just, like, annoying. I agree. But maybe after talking about it and re-watching it, I think it is Buffy. Just because of, like, how they showed the friends and Giles dealing with her loss. And Lorelai's behavior kind of annoyed me upon closer inspection. I think this Gilmore had some maybe funnier moments if we were to put them all on a piece of paper. But I think Buffy was better. It hit me more emotionally. The only real emotional scene in Gilmore for me was when, you know, at the end when she starts to cry, but then she sucks that up. And it didn't it didn't hit me the way that like Giles blaming himself for Buffy's death or Spike blaming himself for Buffy's death hit me. Right. I, I think Buffy just felt like such a tone shift. Yes. But also time passed. So maybe it kind of had to be. I'm like, okay, Willow's like a super powerful witch now and Giles is leaving and Buffy's I don't know if I trust this show now. You know what I mean? Like everything's vastly different. Yeah. Where Gilmore was kind of picking up where I left off. But yeah, immediately after watching it, I think I enjoyed myself watching Gilmore more because Buffy was so shocking. But I I think I'm going to say Buffy's probably a better episode. But it was very close. Yeah. Once again, very close. Both great shows. All right. Well. If you guys want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 6, Episode 2, Bargaining Part 2. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 6, Episode 2, Fight Face. Ooh, that sounds like a fun one. Sounds like a Buffy episode. Yeah. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Did you think Willow was suddenly too powerful? Do you wear gold necklaces to bed? Or any kind of necklace to bed? What do you think's going through Logan's mind? It's weird that Buffy bot's just like hanging out, right? Or that she sleeps in Buffy's bed? Are they afraid that social services are going to check up on her at night to make sure she's sleeping in a bed? How many peanuts could you eat? <laughs> Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. 
Or you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel. We also host monthly live stream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. And if you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. All right, let's go to that wedding. Let's go to that wedding and take that break. To you guys, we're done with the break, but we're yes. about to take the break. But we Remember, we hadn't. Time is a construct. Oh my God. At the cool house. Take my pants off and lie down. What? Why? <laughs> That's how I break, baby. <laughs> You've <laughs> never had pants on the last two years. <laughs> I've never had pants on. <laughs> okay. Have a great week, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.